Welcome to the F5 Technology Podcast, What Lies Beneath, a deep dive into the underpinnings of our digital lives. I'm Terry Patrick with F5 Networks. I'm joined once again by Joel Moses from the F5 Office of the CTO to talk about artificial intelligence. In a previous episode, Joel and I spoke about understanding new model applications. I've had great feedback about that episode. Joel is a genuinely brilliant technologist with a rare ability to make complex topics accessible. Not by dumbing them down, but by identifying the essential elements and laying them out clearly and systematically. I have high hopes people will find today's conversation about artificial intelligence equally enlightening. So let's get started. Joel, what first sparked your interest in artificial intelligence? Well, I mean, like most people in the field I'm in, it stems largely from science fiction and uh, more or less the movies. The concept of the mechanical brain is kind of a longtime dream of the fiction author. And and the desire for that's kind of rooted in the human psyche. The need to build, which of course attracts me as an engineer, and the need for, lack of a better term, reproduce. Artificial intelligence kind of embodies both of those things the need to build, and the need to teach, to teach a youngster. And AI is kind of the pattern for that. It can be defined very simply. It's teaching a machine how to think like a human would, imbue it with the patterns and the intuition and the depth of the human mind. Well, then to what extent does modern artificial intelligence live up to that world that you first saw in science fiction? Well, you have to realize there are three distinct types of AI. There's what you call strong AI, weak AI, and intelligence augmentation AI. The sci-fi example is typified as strong AI. It's embodied by things like Commander Data, HAL, or if you're that type of fan, Terminator. These are generic intelligences, and they have a wide array of capacities. They can deal with unknown data or situations with relative ease, or at least they can parse out a solution in a, a limited period of time. Strong AI, try as engineers might, is just something that does not exist today. What we see today falls into two primary categories, the so-called weak AI and intelligence augmentation. Weak AI can sometimes be confused for strong AI or a generic intelligence, but it's really just a collection of what I would term as disjointed or independent solvers. Things like Apple Siri or Amazon's Alexa are a good example of that. They seem like they're immensely capable until you ask them to solve something complex, like a relationship problem, or ask a three-part question. Then they fall back on rote responses, and and they're not really trained to handle situations like that. They don't have the capability to train themselves fully. Most AI, however, is, is of the last category. It's intelligence augmentation. This type of AI is directly patterned, meaning it's taught something specific. Uh, And it relies on a specific set of knowledge that's designed to operate much faster than a human, much deeper than a human can think, or on a data set that the human brain can't easily store. The purpose of the AI is then to augment the human brain with speed, depth, and capacity. These types of systems are are everywhere. You, You may not even know that you're dealing with systems like this, but they're in the recommendations that Netflix makes. They're in the 401k investment suggestions that Fidelity suggests. They're in the reactions your Tesla makes to the car in front of you. They're designed for a specific purpose to augment you as a human. So with the present state of artificial intelligence, can you explain the difference between the terms artificial intelligence and machine learning? 
the two are often used interchangeably, but machine learning is really a subset of AI, correct? That's absolutely correct. Let's start with three terms and let's examine how they fit together. The terms are artificial intelligence, machine learning, and deep learning. First, you have to realize that artificial intelligence is in fact the blanket term. It contains the two other concepts, but it also contains other things, things like expert systems, heuristics, rules-based systems, and more. When artificial intelligence begins to incorporate the ability to create new analytic models or heuristics on its own, then that's when the term machine learning begins to apply. And when you drive downward into larger data sets, adversarial learning models where two ML systems attempt to train each other, or iterative sampling, you enter a technology area that's been referred to commonly as deep learning. Simply put, AI contains ML, which contains DL. AI contains machine learning, which contains deep learning. But there's more to AI than just those two things, like I mentioned. And that's where the confusion really starts. It's common these days to use AI as a marketing term, and to a lesser extent, machine learning as a marketing term. One could argue that a simply compiled heuristic learning model is, in fact, an AI-backed system, and you'd be right, as Obi-Wan would like to say, from a certain point of view. But AI is a constantly moving technology space, and because of that, it's continuously moving old technologies out to pasture. As the workload that they bring to bear comes readily achievable by modern computational systems. I'm not going to go too deeply into the mathematics of it, but it used to be that computers had a hard time with deeply nested data. So the field of AI created heuristic approaches to the problem to allow the computers of the day to solve certain problems within the space of what's called NP intermediate or NP hard time. The abbreviation isn't that important, it stands for non deterministic polynomial time. That's just a mathematician's way of stating how difficult technology of the day finds solving a particular problem. It's just a statement of how hard something is to do. As processors get faster, or as computing techniques improve, certain problems move out of this time factor and become easier. So although a heuristic te technique of today may have been described as belonging to the field of artificial intelligence 20 years ago, today it might have commonly, at least among scientists, lost that designation. See, as we mentioned earlier, a third of artificial intelligence is about speed, or more importantly, about relative speed. What passed for AI 20 years ago may be long past the state of the art today, but it might still be used in less than honest marketing. It's good for the buyer of such technologies to stay on their toes when they're assessing claims. Let me back up a bit, too, and have you define heuristics. Sure. Heuristics are very simple. It's essentially a solution to a problem set that's derived by a decision. A good example of a heuristic would be a decision tree, where you're defining a branching set of solutions that lead to an obvious outcome. These are loosely correlated to things like the neurons in the brain, only we're teaching the pattern to be formed directly instead of letting the neurons self-assemble. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. Now, let's say someone is trying to understand how to apply AI to solve a particular problem. You know, it could be helping a doctor diagnose and treat disease, blocking bad guys or bots from accessing a bank account without also blocking the legitimate owner of that account, or maybe attempting to persuade someone to buy a thing or buy into an idea. How does someone start thinking about AI in the context of solving a specific problem? 
So that's a good question. Uh, if the AI augmentation for this problem, and let's focus specifically on the bot problem, if it needs the depth and speed and capacity to augment the human brain with those aspects, then the elements that we typically would consider, at least here at F5, when thinking about an AI-based solution to the problem, would incorporate three things, fluidity, complexity, and explainability. Let me explain a few of those things. Fluidity is about how fast the AI solution can react to changing conditions or changing data. Loosely, it's a measure of reaction time. So if, if you were to think about this in terms of a, an athlete, it's a measure of how quickly they get off the line. Complexity is related to capacity, but it may also have something to do with how we formulate the question. Does the data set need to be pre-processed that we're operating on? Is it well-structured? Do I understand what the fields are, or does the computer need to derive the meaning of the field? And most importantly, we consider the uh, question of explainability. The uh, concept of explainability is really important to the security buyer, and it's also related to the depth of the AI solution. Talk a little bit more about explainability then. Why is it important? Why does it matter whether or not someone can understand how an AI engine arrived at a specific answer? Well, from a security buyer's perspective, everything is about trust. It's pretty common for a modern AI solution to use what I call a tangled path approach to get what it believes is a solution to a problem set. This can be a problem if you're not able to detangle the exact set of decisions that occurred to lead to a particular solution. Think for a moment about the bot problem. The AI says maybe that a particular user session should be blocked because it contained an anomaly. It's entirely possible that that AI has the user dead to rights and that there's a bot behind that traffic. But unless it can define for the person analyzing the outcome, the factors that led to the decision in terms that a human security analyst can understand, it's really hard for that analyst to trust the decision in human terms. Remember, AI is an attempt to get the system to mimic a human intelligence. If you've shot past the capabilities of a human intelligence to derive the answer on its own, then you at least have to guide the human intelligence back to what you're trying to augment for it. Technology is primarily intended to augment human intelligence, and if, if a human can't parse the decision, it's unlikely that they're going to trust it. That's why at F5, we spend an inordinate amount of time ensuring accuracy, but more importantly, we spend a lot of time ensuring that we can explain how the model makes the accurate determination that the security buyer relies upon. Can you go a little bit deeper into how the AI systems are learning? Sure. I tend to classify things into three distinct buckets. Now, there's a massive amount of, of methodology behind AI systems. And so this is not an attempt to enumerate all of them, but it is an attempt to define a few basic categories. Uh, I like to think of three. Simple AI system learning, statistical learning, and optimization learning. When you start with simple things, you're talking about things that are rules, expert systems, decision trees. They're still classed as AI techniques, albeit simplistic methods, but they tend to score very high on explainability, meaning it's very easy to put something in front of a customer and they can chart out exactly how the model got to that solution. And from a compute perspective, 
they have a much lower performance cost. Uh, literally, you're running a sequence of events that have a deterministic outcome. These systems might have automated learning, but for the most part, a human is probably translating some sort of mental model into the machine. At least at first, they're doing that. You know some of these systems. Everybody knows them. They've used them for years. They're present in stock screening tools, uh, simple medical diagnosis systems. Computer dating is another example of a heuristic or rules-based system. When you move upward, you get to statistical learning models, statistical AI. These have a higher performance cost, but they're still favorably explainable, meaning I can take a statistical model and I can rationally explain it in trustworthy human terms. These systems are tuned to look for anomalies or outliers in data. They find clusters of data that are associated in some way with other clusters of things. We at F5 use systems like this in denial of service control. Uh, we use it in WAF suggestions. But you've also seen systems like this in document classification or even suggestion systems like Netflix has. They're very powerful, but they're very low cost in terms of performance. And that's why the bulk of most solutions today that label themselves as AI kind of fit into the statistical analysis model. As you go deeper, some of the more powerful methods, I, I like to class as optimization learning models. They're continuously trying to take and run data against other sources of data or run models against models. They're iterative in nature. They're not as human explainable. They can be kind of that twisted path thing that I talked about earlier. They have a really high performance cost because they are so iterative, but they represent some of the more complex, deep-rooted, and scientifically bleeding-edge techniques. Oftentimes, they can produce solutions that are deeper and sometimes faster than other models. And as AI marches forward and computing catches up with some of these techniques, they'll become cheaper over time. So it's important that we understand how they work and, and deal with them from a development perspective. Facial recognition systems, autonomous vehicles, and rapid translation systems, those are the ones that use these types of techniques. They continually adjust the models that they use based on new information. And sometimes they even use the outcome that they had generated previously and they judge it against the other outcomes. Some of these systems could be thought of as genetic systems. In fact, a, a whole branch of optimization learning is in genetic learning systems called genetic adversarial networks. Interesting. And that leads into a question around some of the implications of artificial intelligence. I, I don't think you can have any complete discussion of AI without talking about the ethics. What are some of the risks and ethical issues that folks working with AI should be considering as we march forward into this new world? Well, that topic is kind of a podcast on its own, isn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, AI will rapidly produce things that we need to grapple with as a society, and one could argue that it already really has. Should we, for example, rely on AI systems to determine the intent behind the postings that we make to social networks? I mean, Right now it is. These algorithms are absolutely doing that. And it's marking things as fake news and it's marking things as false. And it's attempting to determine some of the intent behind the things that we do. Should it do that? That's a fantastic ethical question. AI algorithms, specifically those backed by the genetic adversarial networks uh, that I spoke about, they can produce realistic moving video of people long dead. Uh, it can reproduce their voices make the pictures and video say virtually anything. This is a concept called deep fakes, and those are legitimately concerning. 
What's the societal cost when we cease being able to trust our own eyes when presented with video evidence that looks real? You know, the other thing to note about AI from the ethical perspective is to realize that it's really a translation of human thought patterns to machine thinking. Because of this, in many ways, it's similar to the responsibility of raising a child. As technology marches forward, AI systems have to be taught something, right? We're imbuing them with human thought patterns. And one could argue that they probably are going to have to be imbued with human-centric values. The question behind that becomes, whose values? Well, I would hope that it's not the Terminator. Luckily, I think that the industry is really beginning to tackle these ethical concerns with a new sense of purpose. Now, mo most importantly, as it relates to AI, it's critical that we gain an understanding of what it is and what it does as a society and as, as well as where it's going. It's a constantly changing field of study. It's going to require us to learn as much as we're going to have to be prepared to teach the AI systems themselves. What are you personally most excited for in the future when you look at the potential of AI? And then the other side of that, what maybe worries you the most? Well, to be perfectly honest, I spend most of my time worrying about some of the outcomes. Some of the systems that we have, especially as computing power increases, the systems that, are, that have traditionally helped us uh, are getting faster on their own. Uh, so some of the problems that were out of reach 20 years ago or within our reach or have long since been solved. So, so some of the problem sets don't necessarily need to be uh, processed by complex models. Now, there are certain problem sets that are very complex to deal with, and anomaly detection systems are an important part of, of any person's security technology solution set in the future. Uh, it'll have to be. The cost of dealing with an adversary uh, means that you have to have a system that reacts quicker than the adversary is able to erect some of the attacks against you. We've been doing, as security professionals, a horrible job at keeping up with the pace of attacks. And really, the augmentation that AI promises is extremely important to how we defend ourselves and our applications in the future. So I'm most excited about that aspect. I'm most concerned about the misuse of, of certain AI technologies. You know, an AI system is a lot like a toddler. It can produce correct output on occasion, uh, and it can also produce wildly incorrect things if, if you haven't trained it properly. You know, if you think about how you would explain to a child what a hammer is, unless you can show them a hammer, if, if you're just left with a, a description of a hammer, how would you describe that? Well, I, I would typically say it's a handle, and it's got something big attached on the top of it, and you hit things with it. Well, that works fine when they encounter a hammer, but it also uh, may apply to other things like a big letter T or something like that. And they may opt to smash something with something that you least expected. AI is much the same way. You can give a data set to an AI, and, and if the data set is incomplete or if it contains some bad data, the output of the model is going to be likewise pretty bad. And I, I spend a lot of time worrying about AI systems that are not properly trained. They, they can cause an immense amount of difficulty. The picture of AI as a toddler with something it has interpreted as a hammer is a little unnerving. I, I do have to agree with you there. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Joel. This has been the F5 Technology Podcast, What Lies Beneath, a deep dive in the underpinnings of our digital lives with Joel Moses. Thank you. 